0: This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. How are you doing, Katie?
1: I'm good. How are you, Chad?
0: I am doing well. I know we always sort of like talk about weather right here, but (laughs) it is like mid-60s right now in Texas, high of, it was a high of 77, but I walked outside from work. Uh, this afternoon. It was sunshiny, but it was like 68 degrees. And man, it is nice to finally be sort of in that time of year (laughs) after a long summer.
1: That's weather worth talking about. Yeah. I always get really excited when it's that type. Um, We had a beautiful week last week and now it's 80 plus and raining and disgusting. Mm. And New York is notoriously really fun when it's humid because the trains don't have AC a lot of times. So it's just like No
0: thanks. Um,
1: but we're going to get there and then I'll freeze for five months. So it's fine.
0: <laughs> well, we do have a new review on iTunes and this is cool because it's iTunes Brazil, according to the email I got uh, from Ron MG. So thanks for shouting us out in the Brazilian iTunes store.
1: Yeah. Thanks Ron. We also have a new Facebook review from Seth. So thanks to you both. Thanks for reaching out and spreading the word.
0: And now it is here. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> the The most infamous episode of The Office. Uh, For our 60th episode, we are talking about Scott's Tots. It aired on December 3rd of 2009, was directed by our very own Ryan B.J. Novak, and was written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stipnitsky.
1: Michael, 10 years ago, made a promise to a class of third graders that he would pay for their college tuition. And guess what time it is? That class is getting ready to graduate high school, and Michael must tell them that he cannot keep his promise. Long story short, meanwhile, Dwight stages a trap to attempt to get Jim fired, an employee of the month program, and the trap nearly works. So not a whole lot going on in this episode, but they draw it out, and it is painful and great.
0: Yeah, this is widely considered like the most cringeworthy episode of The Office, like even more so than greats like Dinner Party or uh Company Picnic, parts of Company Picnic uh, with the skit on the stage. Uh, but we don't know exactly what's going on at the start of the episode. Michael is obviously in a bit of a funk. He's sort of begrudgingly allowing Aaron or having Aaron help him delete emails from his inbox. Uh. I I wrote in my notes, she's a receptionist, uh, because that's totally receptionist duties. And then Jim walks in and Michael says, hey, Jim, would you still be my friend if I told you that I have done the worst thing ever? Jim says, have you murdered anybody? And Michael says, worse than murder. So something worse than murder. And we still don't know what it is yet, but it's not too long before we find out what it is.
1: Yeah, he knows that the time is approaching. I mean, I'll get into this more later, but. At the very least, he's going to meet these kids today and it's not yet graduation. I mean, it's very close, but it's not yet graduation and he's going to tell them now. So I guess that's okay. I mean, I guess it's not okay, but I mean, I guess that that's better than just like not ever sending a check. But he knows that he has to do this today and it's, he's just bummed out Michael today.
0: (sighs) It's hard to tackle everything in this episode just because it's not necessarily a heavy episode, but man, Michael has done something really, really bad. And he has promised something that he knew. There was no point, even as delusional as Michael can get, there was no point in his life where he actually believed he would be able to pay for 15 kids' uh, college tuition. Like even in 1999, when he made this uh, this promise, there was no way he could have afforded this. And yeah, college is that thing where people go into thousands of dollars of debt, hundreds of thousands, some people in order to pay for their college experience, and he's promised to pay for multiple all at once. My, uh, Pam, when she learns what he has done, says, Michael, this is a terrible, terrible thing that you have done. And Michael himself says, I've made some empty promises in my life, but hands down, that has been the most... And he uses the word generous. Uh, it's one way to put it, is the word generous. I'm thought, I think back to another... Michael exclamation where he calls everything egregious and I think that would be a more apt word in this <laughs> circumstance it's the most egregious empty promise he's ever made it's it's just awful and y- you have to feel for these kids it's just tough
1: had he succeeded in his promise had he been super rich and could have done this yeah that would have been super generous but it's not because you're giving them nothing. (laughs) That's not generous. And it, it kind of brings me back to, uh, remind me, Chad, have we gotten to the point where he makes that little bit where he talks about donating the hospital wing?
0: Mm. It's just like a super
1: brief talking head. He gives at one point and I forget the context, but
0: yeah, that was the Alliance. That was season one.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So we've covered that. He wants to (laughs) donate a hospital wing and, Oh, oh, who donated it? Oh, uh, uh, it was Michael Scott. Oh, how do you know that? The donation was anonymous. Oh, because I'm Michael Scott. Like, he wants to give these big, huge gestures, and, and mm-hmm. he gives the gestures. Um, he just can't follow through on the gestures. So, yeah, I think he pictures himself as some big philanthropist and some just, I don't, I don't know, this, this really generous guy. But you kind of need to have the funds to be that generous.
0: Let's talk through exactly what happens with Michael. So he goes to the school. Aaron comes with him as sort of, again, a receptionist, whatever. She's more personal assistant at this point. And he meets with all these kids, and they have planned all these kinds of celebrations. There's a rap, dance number, kind of hybrid. There are speeches. There are hugs. There are tears, mostly on Michael's part in this instance, at least at first. and. It's it's tough because Michael knows that he's done something wrong. And to his credit, he knows that he has done something wrong. I mean, he tried to reschedule this seven times because he just couldn't think about he couldn't bear to disappoint these kids the way he has to. And so after all of these celebrations is when he decides, okay, I gotta let the cat out of the bag, I gotta tell these kids, I gotta fess up. And everybody is understandably pissed because there's lots of reasons to be pissed in this instance. Um, These kids expected to have their college paid for. What do you want to bet that they haven't filled out FAFSA or saved up money of any kind or picked reasonable schools with reasonable budgets? Like These kids have probably made plans for where to go, but no plans on how to get there because they thought they had a path to get there, and all of a sudden, Michael's burning the bridge.
1: And it's not even that these kids were just random kids, which this would be bad enough anyway. Um, but he has formed a relationship with these kids. Um, he made this promise when they were in third grade. He knows their names and their hobbies and and what they do. And um, there's this one girl, Michaela, that we spend a little bit more time with than the other kids. And she, um, we hear Michael say that she plays saxophone. He was kind of bragging on her to Aaron saying, at eighth grade graduation, she played the most beautiful rendition of When the Saints Go Marching In that you've ever heard. So he was at their eighth grade graduation. I mean, he spent time getting to know these people and now has to just shatter their futures.
0: Yeah, after after they sing about how he's going to make their dreams come true, he has to literally shatter them. Like Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> um,
1: Those dreams you mentioned? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> <laughs> the proper thing for him to do, I think, maybe it's less personal, well, it is less personal. Maybe the more efficient way is a better way to put it, would be to schedule a meeting with the principal, maybe, or somebody else who can break the news to them and say, you know, this is what happened, and then leave so he doesn't have to face any of these kids this way, and then let the principal be the bearer of bad news. Yeah, it's less personal. It 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 sucks. But I think it doesn't draw it out, at least. And then Michael doesn't have to suffer along with them. Uh, maybe it's better that Michael does suffer. I don't know. But it's, it's <laughs> I'm at a loss for words, Katie, yeah. because it's just, there's, there's it's a tough situation. But I, I'm about to go into sort of defense of Michael after we sort of get past all the bad stuff. Uh, what makes it maybe even worse in the moment is that, okay, he's like, okay, well, I can't pay for your tuition. But you know what? Online courses are an option. And what better way to take online courses than with your own personal laptop? And you see them start to sort of prick up a little bit. Oh, well, he's not gonna pay for our college, but I'm gonna get a new laptop out of it. So maybe this is at least somewhat okay. I'm getting something from this guy who promised me everything. And then he says, which is rendered useless without a battery, which I've bought for you. Oh my goodness. Mm. (laughs) There's so many problems with that too.
1: I read that one further, which was like, no, I can't pay for your college, but you don't have to go to class to be in class. Online courses are a viable option. And okay, maybe he's going to pay for online classes. Which, what are you going to take a class on? On your laptop. Oh, okay, maybe it's a laptop. And I got you batteries for that laptop. That's not the (sighs) same thing. So it's like going
0: down a level of disappointment every time. I see that point, yeah.
1: It's just... Like even online classes while disappointing for kids who thought that they'd be, you know, getting full rides to Harvard, it's at least college, it's at least an education and um mm. they're not they're not getting that.
0: No. I mean, that's the tough part and there'll be more to say as we sort of close out everything, but in Michael's defense, I have to say a few things in his favor for this episode because lord knows he he doesn't do anything positive himself you mentioned this. He knows each of these kids by name. He's in the know. He's active in their interests and their hobbies and achievements. He talks to them, calls them by name. Uh he's very he's made a connection with these kids. And for better or worse, he has a relationship with them. So good for him for at least following through over the years, even if the ending wasn't what it was supposed to be. So that's one tick in his favor.
1: There's one in this list that you are probably going to mention that I'd like to mention, which mm-hmm. is it actually is brought up by Aaron on the way home that, okay, so they're not going to go to college at least on your dime, but you know what? The principal said that 90% of these kids are on track to graduate, which is 35% higher than the rest of the school. So maybe Michael at least pushed them to graduate to get yeah. there. Um, that's an 90%, insane statistic. Right. That's huge. Um, And that's not, That doesn't make what Michael did okay. It's still a horrible thing. But at the very, very least, these kids, 90% of them will have their high school diploma, which is, you know, which is not, which is not nothing. And, and, and their, their chances of graduating were much lower before Michael made that promise.
0: Right. I, I think he made the promise in the first place because he felt compassion for these kids. The way things sound, he probably knew that the graduation rate wasn't very high. And so he was just trying to get them to walk the stage. And uh, there was a speech that was given before he admits everything where the, the woman says, you have taught these kids that with hard work, anything is possible. So there's that. Um, and he himself says before he breaks the news, well, actually... I guess it was after he broke the news. He said, I wanted to pay for your education. I really did. It was my dream. Some people have evil dreams. Some people have selfish dreams. My dream was in the right place. So that's another tick in his favor, is that what he did did have a positive outcome along with the incredibly negative outcome. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And another tick in his favor, I think, is that he's aware of how bad what he did was. He's like if if he was oblivious to the fact that this was an awful thing that he did, it would be so much worse, but he knows that he did bad on these kids by making them- p- promise he couldn't keep in the first place uh he He says in the car on the way home, "I just ruined fifteen young lives, so I think that that counts for him he he is he's remorseful of making this promise that he couldn't keep and then just having to destroy these kids' lives to their face.
1: You were just on a positive Michael, uh, moment, and I'm going to take a tiny, tiny bit more of a negative <laughs> one for just a second. Cause there are a few more things he says that I'm just like, ah. right after he's spoken to the kids in front of their parents, in front of their teachers, um, Michaela, the, the saxophone player says, you lied to us. Michael says, I lied to myself too. Uh, they don't care about that or your feelings right now. They don't care yeah. that you lied to yourself, that you thought you'd be rich and that you thought your life would be more successful. They do not care.
0: <laughs> no, they, they don't. <laughs>
1: that they that they can't go to college. Um also he says right before he he tells them the bad news, he says, I don't think I could ever give back to you what you've given me today Which is kind sort of a bittersweet thing, because they gave him I mean, in any other circumstance, I mean, kids chanting and, and his name and rapping for him and dancing for him and wearing shirts with his name on it like you know in any other universe he is going ballistic he's so happy mm-hmm. and so they gave him some great feelings that he's probably never had before because no one chants michael's name but yes his statement is true i could never give you back what you're given me today because you're giving them nothing right uh, <laughs> and it's just they've given him a lot today um and he can't give anything but lithium-ion batteries in return
0: right to your point about him thinking he was going to be a millionaire by a certain age. Uh, yeah, they don't care. It, it, I agree. But that also, to me, makes Michael sympathetic because it reminds me of Fundle Bundle, uh, where he was saying, you know, I had these aspirations for my life. I want these things to happen, and they, I just don't achieve them. I didn't reach the point in my life that I wanted to reach. And he's still not where he wants to be. He's still single. He's still in his late forties, approaching his fifties. And he's working at a company that appears to be going bankrupt. Things are not going great for Michael. And this is just another heap on the load. And so I I feel I'm sympathetic for him. And my final point and sort of, I guess, closing off, unless we have more to say about Michael, this part of the episode, uh, he has the guts show his face and tell them the truth yes he canceled and rescheduled seven times first but he does show up and he didn't have to do that as i said there was an easier way out maybe where he could have just told a mediator who would then pass on the information and then when i think it's leferve confronts Mm -hmm. him afterwards he made the decision to at the very least pay for leferve's books so that he that's one less expense on him if he does find a way to pay for his tuition. And so he writes four checks for $1,000 each there before he leaves saying, uh, I at least owe you this much. And so I think good on you, Michael, for making an attempt, a genuine attempt at trying to heal things over a little bit.
1: Yeah, that was the last thing I was going to mention, too. I mean, it's not the amount he promised, but it is still a significant amount of money. Textbooks are crazy expensive, and four years worth is quite a chunk of change.
0: Yeah, they could get like four books like that. Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> and if he could do that for one kid, that helps a little. My my immediate thought is cool. So Lefebvre goes back to his class. is like cool. Well, I got four thousand dollars out of the deal because um, I you know approached him afterwards. But it's what Michael can do right now, and that's mm-hmm. I mean it's better than nothing, I guess.
0: Yeah. That's really all there is to say, I guess, is he he tries there at the end and makes the tiniest of steps to making amends. And that's really all you can do at this point. Mm. Uh, the, The final moments with Michael in this episode, he's driving back with Aaron and Aaron comforts him. So I guess we could sort of talk about Aaron. There's not much to say, but Michael's treating her pretty poorly in this episode.
1: Really? Most of their relationship has been a little rough right now, like um we mentioned an episode or two ago in some deleted scenes where he he made her cry, I believe he's made her cry in the past. they're just they don't get along great, so Aaron on the drive back tries to comfort Michael and she she lists those statistics that I listed the ninety percent the thirty five percent so maybe Michael did a good thing through a bad thing. Michael is really um relieved it might be the right word I don't know, by these numbers and appreciative of Aaron's efforts. And he says that he thinks Aaron's doing a great job. And he asks her what she wants out of this job. And she says that she's always wondered what it's like to be an accountant. But she's terrible at math. Michael says, well, when I hired Kevin, he was actually applying for a job in the warehouse. I just had a feeling about Kevin, and I have a feeling about you, too. Which is a really sweet moment that we haven't gotten between those two. And then they, well, to kind of bookend that, at the beginning of that scene, Aaron is singing, Hey, Mr. Scott. What you gonna do? What you gonna... And Michael says, please stop. <laughs> please stop. He's just, he can't handle that. And then at the end of their little interaction, they're both joining in and, and singing together. So a, a slight silver lining in the, in the hurricane that is this episode.
0: Yeah, it, it's nice that he recognizes when she is trying to make him feel better. And so he reciprocates, even though at the beginning of the episode, he was basically complaining that she's not Pam. And that he wants Pam to go with her with him to the school and confront these kids. But he stuck with Aaron. And still, she champions through his scorn and criticism and comforts him at the end of the day. And so he is thankful and says, well, here, here you go. I'll, I'll return the favor. Uh, which is nice. Now, the other part of the episode. And, you know... I I don't linger on this, but I have to say it every time. I, this is it's just like a huge eye roll for me. You know, I, I don't love Dwight's diabolical stuff, and that's it. That's all I have to say about that. So let's <laughs> and talk that's about the it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about it.
1: Dwight has planned a scheme to get Jim fired. Dwight is very sure that this will work. He has a talking head where he says, in in approximately six hours, Jim will get a call from David Wallace. He will be fired. Uh, And it goes like this. Dwight convinces Andy to convince Jim to start an Employee of the Month program, condensing this plot line so we can talk about it. Basically, Dwight tricks Jim into picking himself for Employee of the Month, and then, oops, I didn't mean to do that. The numbers were wrong. Now I pick the next person in line, which happens to be Pam. Um, sure enough, David does call Jim to chew him out, and it looks like this plan almost succeeds.
0: It does. On the way there, man, first off, I got to criticize Jim for just going along with what Dwight has laid in place. Like, how foolish can you be? It's Dwight, for crying out loud. You've you've seen how antagonistic he's been towards you, even if he's sort of putting on a face of trying to be helpful in this instance. Uh, it's It's weird is what it is and jim should have been a little bit more wary of any help given to him by dwight so jim's fault for a large portion of what happens but on the other hand everybody's reaction to jim picking himself first and then pam like
1: it's ridiculous it
0: it, it, their their reaction is ridiculous too they need to be adults about the situation and realize yes Obviously, Jim was not going to pick himself. Jim said at the very beginning of the episode himself to Michael that managers are not up for the position or for the the award. So of course, he's not going to include himself, which, by the way, if Jim had just looked at the spreadsheet and seen that his name was on it, that would have been at least one strike off of that because, oh, obviously, I'm not going to be eligible for the award. But anyways. (laughs)
1: Right. Dwight was smart enough to convince Andy. To kind of do some dirty work for him because Jim, I don't think, would have fallen for this trap if Dwight came up to him and said, let's start this program. But then the kicker and how Andy was really able, or not Andy, how Dwight was really able to trick Jim was that this spreadsheet with stats on it uh, was anonymous. And so it referred then to a spreadsheet that had a list of employees' names. So, okay, number seven is Jim. Number eight is Andy. Whatever. So mm-hmm. Jim didn't know who who he was looking at, but he had the information there. He should have double-checked. He should have—yeah, that was fairly um, preventable, but I guess he was feeling optimistic that day. Yeah. And, like, to—I mean, Cherry on top of the, the cake, haha, a cake is delivered to the office with Jim's face on it, so it looks like he knew what was going on. It could only be you, is the the writing on the cake. I mean, it truly, it does look really just skeevy and and bad. Um, But again, these employees, they've known Jim for a long time. I think they should know his character well enough to know that he's not going to do this. And they know that Dwight and Jim are pranksters. And that stuff like this happens to Jim and happens to Dwight. And perhaps Jim isn't just totally being a a jerk.
0: If... If these people were completely 100% reactionary, I think that's what we get in the episode is that everybody's just reacting to like gut feeling. This sucks. Let's be angry at Jim. But if they used even a smidgen of their brain cells, I think they would have realized, well, yeah, obviously this is a mistake. Jim will fix it because that's what Jim does. He's a good guy. And he's much more competent than Michael is. And this is a Michael kind of thing to do. So,
1: yeah. Sure enough, David does call Jim to chew him out. Dwight afterwards goes in and seals Jim's pen from his office. You remember the pen that takes audio recordings? Yeah, Dwight's still using it. Uh, He then hears David apologizing to Jim after chewing him out. He says things are crazy, but he thinks Jim is doing a great job. And are they still on for dinner this weekend? So totally not the reaction that Dwight was hoping for. Um, This is not a firing at all. In fact, he learns that David and Jim hang out outside of work hours. In fact, they travel quite a ways to do it as David lives in New York. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: not what Dwight was hoping for.
0: No, Um, he's upset. Jim says, see you tomorrow, Dwight. Dwight says, apparently, (laughs) because he's not fired as he so boldly predicted at the start of the episode. And to, to finish everything off, Ryan walks up. And he has found a copy of a diabolical plan, like it says on the cover sheet. My diabolical by plan. Dwight by Dwight K. Yeah, by Dwight K. root in the copier <laughs> tray. I don't know why Dwight needed to make a copy. Who for? Like, why does there need to be more than one? Whatever. Ryan says he wants in. So, context just the previous episode and shareholder meeting at the very end, uh, Jim's sort of punishment. For Ryan was putting him in his place, and his place is the storage closet in between the bathrooms in the kitchen. So Ryan is obviously not very happy about that, despite it being his own fault. And so he wants in on Dwight's diabolical plan. They handshake. That's the episode. So we apparently have more to look forward to with this time Ryan and on the diabolical planning and action to remove Jim from his management position.
1: Well, let's move on to some funny moments. Um, don't worry, there aren't many, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. every funny moment in this episode should basically come with the caveat that it's it's only funny if you approach it with a morbid sense of humor,
1: yeah, exactly. or at least a lot of them, uh, yeah, the vast majority
0: We've got the cold open, and this one is actually pretty lighthearted. Uh Michael has called Andy into his office, and he he's pretty serious. He's on. Andy, he says, okay, yeah, you need to have a seat. No laughs here. Have a seat. And Andy says, is it serious? And Michael just stares at him. And Andy responds, wow, Andy's a whittle scaled." And Michael says, okay, right there is the problem. There have been reports around the office that you have been talking baby talk. And so uh, they go through a few things that Andy has said, including Andy have a boo-boo tummy and whittle will Footy Woodies, Nummies, Jammies, Make Boom Boom, Wadikawas, and Woad Eyewind, <laughs> which are Just all absurd. <laughs> Woad Iwind, yeah. Um, And his response to that is, you know, yeah, sometimes I replace my R's with my W's. Sometimes I repeat a word to get my point across. If I, I do that, Andy Sawi, <laughs> he ends with his baby voice one more time, and he does turn it around by... Then saying, well, everybody else thinks your Elvis voice is ridiculous, Michael. And Michael doesn't like that. Who says that? And he says, well, other people do. I think it's fantastic. And so and then Michael does his whole, well, thank you. Thank you a lot.
1: <laughs> Not the phrase.
0: No, that's probably the funniest part uh-huh. of that cold open for me. And they then they go back and forth complimenting each other's weird voices in their weird voices. So.
1: I really like that Elvis says, you're welcome, baby. When, of course, baby was his whole thing, but he's talking to a baby. So it (laughs) worked out nicely.
0: An adult baby, to be clear, because that's what the idea is. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Michael thinks he's in the running for Employee of the Month. He uh, is approached by Jim. Um, How do you feel about starting an Employee of the Month program? Michael thinks... That it's for him. He says, yeah, that might actually make me feel better. I mean, I'm, I'm not in it for the trophies. Jim says, well, you're not in it at all because you're a manager. Michael tries to kind of defend himself. Well, I'm not technically a manager. I'm a co-manager, and I barely have any responsibilities, but I work hard, and I love this company, and it would look good on my mantle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he just
1: trying to uh, ensure his, his spot as employee of the month.
0: Uh, As I mentioned earlier, Aaron mentions that they have rescheduled this meeting at the school with the students seven times. And the reason I mention that is because it pays off later in what I think is a really funny moment where the teacher says, Mr. Scott, I know you're a busy man and your schedule moves around a lot.
1: (laughs) Yes, it does. Well, he's not, but. (laughs) Michael is this close to telling his tots that he screwed up and the bell rings. He looks at the teacher, just really hoping that the class is dismissed and that that will be the end of all of this. And he never has to tell them (laughs) Um, as if the bell is going to be the savior of the situation. But alas, it is a double period and Michael must continue.
0: He says, I came here today because I promised you tuition and tuition is very valuable. But you know what's invaluable is intuition. You know what that is? That is the ability to know when something is about to happen. No, it's not. Does anybody out there have intuition, know what's going to happen next? Nobody? Okay, you're going to make me say it. So he's he's expecting these kids now to do his worry, dirty work for him in telling these kids that he's not paying their tuition.
1: Everyone is outraged that Pam was picked as the number two employee of the month, and she defends herself. Uh, no, wait, come on. I didn't miss a day. I came in early. I stayed late. I doubled my sales last month. And he says, Oh, really? What from two to four? And we just cut to a talking head with Pam where she just says, Yup,
0: and <laughs> <laughs> proud of it.
1: Uh, yup, it's a hundred percent more.
0: I've got one more Michael moment to mention. And again, it's a morbidly funny moment. It's when he's announced the laptop battery gift, and everybody's outraged. And he says, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. They're lithium. <laughs> like, that fixes everything. <laughs> oh, they're lithium. They're oh, lithium. okay.
1: <laughs> I love lithium. Thank you.
0: That That's exactly worth the price of college.
1: <laughs> um, Dwight calls David's office while impersonating different people in the office. First, he does Kevin and Stanley, uh, and then Toby, all of which were pretty spot on. Um, I think especially Kevin... Yeah, I think it was Kevin, Stanley, Toby in that order, I think, were there um, mm-hmm. a- the levels of accurateness, but mm-hmm. uh, he's a pretty good at him and impersonating.
0: Yeah. And there was even one more bonus one in the deleted scenes where he does Meredith. Yeah. And uh, maybe he doesn't have the voice quite right, but I think he's definitely got sort of the the lingo, the Meredith lingo <laughs> the right cadence. in that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, A funny Dwight moment for me is when he looks at his watch and, and talking and he says, five minutes ahead of schedule. Right on schedule. <laughs> and that's I just wrote it's very Dwight to plan being ahead of the schedule into the schedule. I don't know. Yeah. It just strikes me as a very Dwight kind of thing.
1: It should have been noted that Dwight decided to collect money from the office, uh, when this was not something that Jim had okayed or even really discussed. Dwight goes up to Kevin and tries to get money from him, and then Oscar um well first Dwight kind of has to like Bug Kevin and oh, like you're you're maybe a contender for employee of the month. Like, maybe you want to give me a 20. Everyone's gonna do it. And he really has to convince Kevin. And then Dwight goes and turns to Oscar, to schmooze him and just says, Hey, buddy. And Oscar just throws a 20 in, like, I don't want to hear this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or like, I just heard this when you explained it to Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't need to do this again. Right. Uh I those are my last funny moments are Dwight and Kevin interactions. When he first approaches the desk, uh Dwight says like half the sentence, half of what he's trying to say before Kevin turns around and just goes, Hey, (laughs) like (laughs) now I'm part of the conversation. And so Dwight pauses, okay, let me start over. (laughs) And then, uh, he says, Jim thought it would be ideal if we all pitched in a 20 for this whole employee of the month thing. Kevin, Jim said that Dwight says, I, he thought you were doing an incredible job last month. Kevin said. Jim said that. Dwight <laughs> says, You seem surprised. Kevin says, No, no, that makes total sense. As he pulls out his wallet and puts it at 20, like, yeah. obviously, I've been doing a great job. So I'm glad Jim is finally recognizing it.
1: <laughs> makes sense. So, it's deleted scenes, a uh, couple to mention. First, an Aaron talking head where she says that she loves having Pam around and doesn't know what she'd do without her. Then, Pam has a talking head where she says, Every time she looks at Aaron's stuff, anytime Aaron wants to show something to her, Pam just says, looks great, Uh, including how she set up the chairs in the conference room, which were just in rows normally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Looks great. (laughs) Um, But sweet, sweet Aaron takes that as um, genuine constructive criticism or whatever on her work. So she really loves having Pam around.
0: Uh, something I think probably should have been left in the episode, just because it makes a later line said by Angela make sense. Uh, Jim announces the Employee of the Month award to everyone. Like I said, pretty important thing to sort of leave out. He says the Employee of the Month will win a plaque will win his parking space, his personal parking space, and a paid vacation day. And people were psyched about it. But the the line that Angela says later is something like, uh, you just won your own parking space back. And we had no context for that previous to this deleted scene. Uh, so hmm. now we know exactly what the, the situation was. Jim was offering his parking spot to the employee of the month. And so she was saying, oh, now that you're employee of the month, you just get to keep your parking space.
1: Yeah. In the episode, Michaela asks Michael if she can ask him some questions before they go in the room, but we don't get to see the questions. In the deleted scenes, we see them. She's got a recording device and cuts straight to the chase. She asks how Scott's tots came to be. He immediately gets very defensive. Before even answering the question, he says, I never meant any harm to come from this. It's very important that you know that. I just wanted to do something nice. Michaela says it's not just nice, it was a miracle. She wrote her college essay on him. He just says, no.
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then she continues to ask questions. Are there any other students whose college you're paying for? <laughs> he says, I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh,
0: my, oh. my favorite part of that is at the beginning of the deleted scene where she says... Uh, So how did you come up with the idea for Scott's Tots? He says, well, it's no secret that my last name is Scott, and uh, you were all Tots at the time. (laughs) She says, no, 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 no. What made you choose us? He he thought, or was trying to make uh, it about the name, and it's not (laughs) about the name. The cake delivery guy who brings the cake with Jim's Mm. face on it, he sort of just waits around, and it looks like he's expecting a tip. And Jim's like, oh, you expect me to tip you as part of this weird thing? And then he says, who, who even ordered this cake? And so he tries to seal the paperwork out of the cake guy's hand. And nobody in the office likes that. Jim's now threatening people, basically, is the way they're sort of twisting it. And so they protest. He says, fine. And so he pulls out his wallet and tips the guy for a cake of his face that he didn't order. And then he says, okay, well, as of now, employee of the month is canceled. And then Andy responds, "Oh, because if Jim and Pam can't have it, then no one can." And it's just everybody's being absurd.
1: Ugh, I hate that. Yeah. And then last for me, I just wanted to mention what Dwight said as Meredith to David Wallace. (laughs) Um, I'm not even going to attempt the voice, but he said, "Listen, kid, I may be junk as a skunk, but you don't have to tell me about crotch injuries." But Jim Halpert is a prick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, maybe he didn't nail the voice, but He at least got her, like, roughness down, which was kind of fun.
0: So going on to the discussion topic, this is a little bit different just because it is such a sort of landmark episode to be talking about. As I mentioned, this is the most infamous episode of The Office. And uh, there are many, many, many people out there who straight up just skip this episode in their watchthroughs. Katie, do you normally skip this in your watchthroughs?
1: Well, it's hard to say because I often don't watch In Order. Except mm-hmm. for, for this podcast, I'll just kind of, oh, I feel like early, season one or two or eight or whatever, you know? I rarely choose it, if ever. <sighs> and I don't know why, because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it this time. um mm-hmm. But I, I don't say I would skip it. Do you?
0: I don't. um When I watch through The Office, I watch through The Office and I watch all of it. uh. This is my first time watching all the extra stuff. But when just talking about the episodes, yeah, I, I watched from beginning to end when I watched The Office. Uh, my roommate, I've seen him skip Scott Stotts before. I've seen lots of people online and in our listenership talking about skipping this episode and not watching this episode. I think Dan Lefeb, who's a fellow podcaster, posted on our picture on Facebook said, it's the one episode of The Office he can't watch anymore. Mm. and. Uh, I wanted to bring up an interesting perspective because uh, I have a friend who is actually watching through the office for the first time with us. I just found this out this past week. He's watching through as we go. I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. And so I told him about Scott's Tots. I said, well, it's coming up. You better be ready. And so he tweeted at me after he had finished. His name's Jacob Neff. And he said, you know, I knew about the hype for the episode, but I didn't think it was as cringeworthy as everybody sort of made it out to be. He thinks dinner party is much worse. He thought this episode was sort of impersonal. It was sort of more improbable and far-fetched, whereas dinner party was more real and more intimate to him. So all of that is just like, what do you think it is about this episode that makes people skip it? or think of it as more cringeworthy than episodes like Dinner Party? Any ideas?
1: I think that's one of the many benefits and sometimes detriments of having multiple writers for a show. Um, although...
0: I'm pretty sure the same guys this, are both episodes. These were written
1: by Gene Staminski and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Lee Eisenberg. Lee Eisenberg. Okay, yeah. then I take it back. Um, I was just looking it up as you were talking. Mm-hmm. So never mind. I was going to say that there's such different styles of just nightmares um (laughs) because your friend jeff is right this is such a different style of comedy sorry not jeff jacob (laughs) neff jacob (laughs) neff yeah i i I, I combine those it's a much more outward awkward i feel like than dinner party and i used to think that this was a much more we use this word so often now i kind of hate it cringy episode than dinner party On recent watch-throughs, I found Dinner Party so much more difficult to watch. I don't know why, but I do agree with Jacob that that one is is a much more personal and uh, intimate and realistic struggle. That is about a relationship falling to pieces in front of your friends. Right. Or not even friends, but people that you're just trying to kind of impress. Um
0: and mental illness and stuff like that yeah, too. That's definitely touched and, on.
1: And probable infidelity and 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 it's just oh recently that one's been painful.
0: It is tough for me. I I'm not gonna call into question anybody's like fanhood of the show or anything, but to me, like when I watch through something, I want to enjoy everything, the highs, the lows. The, the tough episodes, the fun episodes, the sad ones. And so for me, this episode is just another, it, it may be a bump in the road, if anything, but it's, it's still telling us about our characters, especially Michael. And his heart, I think, is it's really important to know that Michael thought he cared about or did care enough about these children that he made such an extravagant promise. Whether he thought he could keep it or not, probably not. He was just trying to sort of make them and himself, admittedly, feel good. But it it does show and tell us a lot about Michael. So I think it's an important episode. I think everybody should watch it or at least revisit it every once in a while, even if you don't watch it every time you rewatch The Office.
1: Or at the very least, maybe we can act as a buffer for you and you can listen to it. Listen to us talk about it. You don't have to watch it yourself. Uh, (laughs)
0: um, Then you don't have to watch Michael cry as Leferre is telling him about his struggles. Yeah. Anyways, (laughs) Um, I think that about wraps it up. That's enough for today. (laughs) (laughs) That is the end of the official 60th episode of An American Workplace. Contact for the show is facebook.com slash workplace pod and at workplace pod on Twitter. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any feedback or ideas or just want to say hi or share a theory or ask us a question or anything you want to do, you can email us, workplacepod at gmail.com. The email and the Twitter are probably the best places to get a hold of us.
1: Absolutely. Uh, personally, my best place is on Twitter at ktlady623. I'm also at facebook.com slash white. Best way to do that is just send me a message.
0: And the best place for me is also on Twitter at uh, chadadada. That is D A D A D A. And you can contact me on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And there's my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where podcasts can be found and at com. And all of our show notes and contact information can be found at WorkplacePodcast.com.
1: Hello to Eric, our new Patreon subscriber. Thank you so much for your support, Eric, and all of our Patreon listeners. If you want a shout out and more of An American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think is most worth it to you at Patreon.com slash WorkplacePod.
0: And that is all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 60 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 61 for our discussion on the next three episodes of season six, Secret Santa, The Banker, and Sabre. Goodbye. (laughs)
1: Uh, I I just want to say Saber.